All right, it is good to have you into another episode of the Idea Collision. My name is Andrew Green, and I, uh, I've been doing this podcast since the beginning of the year. And um, what we do here is to give you either some ideas that are contradictory to each other or maybe are counterintuitive to the way that we typically think, uh, but always trying to leave you off um, in a better spiritual place than we found you here. Uh, we began a discussion of cycles um, last week and, and talking about fashions and trends and then looking a little bit more at the dangerous side of that. Um, and, and that is, you know, treating things that shouldn't be considered fashionable as, as though they are uh, and looking at how um, people change really what what should be considered concrete, what should be considered absolute. We're going to continue that discussion a little bit. Uh, we explored the idea of science and, and medicine and looking at one particular reason that, that, that things change in, in terms of consensus. And um, we're kind of going to continue that a little bit. You don't need to go back and look at that podcast to, to kind of get the good out of this week's, but it would uh, probably help. And, um, you know, we don't want to get into this idea, uh, and I think one of the one of the fears I have of, of last week's discussion is in giving those illustrations, I think they were good illustrations, but we can kind of portray the idea that uh, science can never improve or medicine can can never improve or these things can never discover, right? Obviously, Obviously, we, we are in a better medical and, and, and scientific place in terms of our scope of knowledge than we were 100 years ago. Um, but it is uh, the things I, I spoke of. I was trying to get the idea across of, of subjecting what is known factual information to things uh, that are really opinion and, and, uh, and simply what people want. Um, and, and trying to illustrate how destructive that has been for different societies in the past who did this and, and how it even continues today. So, um, and so we looked at this method of change um, and um, we crave the majority. We talk about consensus, we crave the majority. Uh, and, and so often this is the one, there's more than one motive for change but or this type of change. I grew up in New England in the 70s and 80s, and um, I haven't followed sports for probably the last three years. It's just kind of got off my mind when, when they weren't playing it, and, and I realized that I didn't really need it, and it was kind of a good change. Um, I've had more time to do other things, and, and I don't really miss it. I don't really miss the angst that comes when you lose, and and uh, so it's just, you know, I, the arguments and things that we have, but it, it's still serves to me as illustrations for things and and I just I remember gr growing up in the 70s and 80s in New England and what that means is that you know it was a an important part of my childhood um I don't despise that but New Englanders have a different persona uh, than many other many other places and uh, I grew up with one and two win seasons specifically speaking of uh, of the New England Patriots, and uh, maybe the Celtics did a little bit better 
Uh, the Bruins were always, you know, the Bruins win some games and, and, and fail in the postseason, but at least they won some games. But but uh, the 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 Patriots were just almost always bad. Uh, the, the, the best year we had at, when I was a kid was a year we went to the Super Bowl and ended up at that point in time having a, a record-setting Super Bowl loss, forty-six to ten to the to the Bears, and it was eighty-six and and just you know like it, it somehow <laughs> getting to the Super Bowl though though there's a you know thirty other teams or whatever that wish they could do that, you, it, it, losing in that fashion is still you were more embarrassed than than teams that never even got there, never even made the playoffs for for some reason, but but. You know, we just had no success. Well, you know, after college, of course, they started, they, they turned that around. And I remember the, the day that they broke through and, and how exciting that was. And um, and it was exciting to be on the, the top of the of the uh, the hill for a change and, and looking down. And that of, of all the teams to be doing that with, you know, from New England area, that, that it was the Patriots. That was, it was amazing how times had changed and um so i remember the adulation and i remember thinking that that you know, and and watching my own kind of transition a little bit as 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 people started to want to be fans of my team and i thought i would like it at first and then i i came to despise them and i don't mean despise in you know in a moral sense but but in a fan sense because I, re- I resented them as not being authentic. They they didn't stick through the one-win seasons and two-win seasons. They didn't they, they, they weren't the laughing stock. They weren't there when, when they were the butt of everybody's sports jokes. And um it, it felt like they, they didn't deserve to enjoy these two decades that we had a uh, and so now I imagine now that times have gone back to to normal, um, now that I couldn't care less, of course, that that those people have migrated to possibly your team if your team is doing good, or to some other team that is doing good. I don't know Kansas City or I, I don't even know who's good right now. So uh, I just know it's not the Patriots. Uh, so uh, we we have multiple reasons for this chameleon. Uh, type behavior that we we have and but i think one of the main ones is that we like to be in the majority and <clears throat> we are willing to change our skin and migrate if we have to um the more you desire popularity uh then the more that you are willing to give up right so so you might just be willing to give up something on the surface if it's not that important to you. But the more the more important the, the majority is to you or popularity is to you, the more things that are close to your core that you will give up. Uh, the most core to us is our value system. And, and value system, depending on who you are, is, is identified in different ways. But um, But even these things that you hold of substance will become transient if they are less important to you if your core is simply being liked um now i i i our most 
we have different types of value systems, as I say, different ways we identify those as people. Uh, but, but most people identify themselves based on some sort of ideology that they have. Uh, the, the most, I think the most, and again, this is not a podcast based around this, but it just serves as a good illustration, much like sports. It's not a sports podcast, but it serves as an illustration sometimes. But, but I think a lot of people, for a lot of people, a poli- uh, a, a, the politics serves as their identity. Uh, and, and so you see people say, I'm a conservative, or I'm a progressive, I'm a liberal, I'm a socialist, I'm a whatever they are. They or sometimes it's even maybe a little bit more um, superficial than that. Uh, they will identify on party, like I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Green Party, I'm a whatever, um, Constitution Party. Uh, so these types of, but these summarize an identity of of an ideology or a group of some sort. Uh, so. Um, whatever this group says or does, I'm going to be involved in that. I'm going to approve of that. And we will find that that changes because we are connected to that group. And we've talked about that previously in other podcasts. But um, one of the things that happens is, is as a, a larger society changes its views, as as they as we as we see things migrate. A, a group will find itself kind of behind that curve. And, and so in this area or that area, they might find themselves not in the majority, and then they have to figure out how to make themselves um, uh, appealing to, to that group, that, that majority. They, they desire that majority again. And, and uh, so, so, so their identities are, are as I say, a little bit transient. We we we, we kind of shift here and there, uh, and so politics is a really a good way to observe this. Um, if you have a very strong political identity, I used to, much like sports. Uh, I, in fact, my giving up of sports and my giving up of politics really was almost around the same time. I just found myself out of out of touch with both of them, and. Um, and and so so it was within several months that that really I gave up both. And if you have a strong political identity, and I don't care which one, which group, whichever, um, you can go back in time depending on how old you are. The the older you are, the more you will likely see the shift in in what your group has believed in and probably even you have believed in or at least the way you phrase things or the way you position things. Um, I'll give you some illustrations. And as I say, uh, this is an equal opportunity criticism uh, because I believe that, and we've talked about politics being an inferior type of an identity. Um, When, when, things have become more popular. What has your group of choice done to stay in touch, right? Well, if you were a liberal in the 60s, and, and, and if you don't, if you, if, you, if you weren't even alive then, if you can go back, listen to any music from the 60s, and you, you can you know find that you were against any and all war. It was any and all war. Uh, 
Well, consider the political landscape today. All right, um, America's left of center groups, regardless of how left of center, they are all in against Putin. And I'm not saying if you're right of center, you're not, but I'm saying left of center, there is zero exception. They are all in on war. Now, that's a shift. And I'm, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm not saying, I lived in Ukraine, so I'm, I'm obviously on the side of it personally of, of trying to get Russia out of Ukraine uh, and, and protecting people who are innocent. I'm not against that. I'm just saying that there is a shift in a political thing, and that's because it is seen as popular. And and so being against war is not popular right now. Um, so, uh, well, maybe you're on the other side of the aisle. Maybe you're a conservative or you call yourself a Republican, whatever that is. Um, you grew up being against abortion. That's just the facts. And you probably still are to whatever degree. Uh, so maybe your shift is, is less in that sense. Uh, but you probably, about a year ago or whatever, applauded overturning Roe versus Wade. That was a big thing. Well, as political seasons heat up, uh, we see people shifting and, and things um trying to position themselves for the majority because that's how you get voted in. Well, clearly what happened the last election cycle was that that decision was not popular, and so it was actually successfully used as a wedge because now there was enough of a majority that could drive people to the polls uh, on the issue of overturning Roe. And I, I don't want to get into a discussion of, of Roe versus Wade or abortion. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, so what is happening now in light of how that election turned out is you are seeing those who view themselves as conservative or, or market themselves as conservative or Republicans identifying that way, trying to position their view to be popular, to appeal to the popular one. So, uh, They'll say, well, all we were trying to do is put it in the uh, the hands of the state. That's what we were trying to do. And this is supposed to send a bone to people who are against abortion, you know, at least the ones who live in the states who will try to, you know, do something about that. So I'm, I'm looking conservative to them, but I'm, I'm still trying to appeal to the majority. That's the point of that is I'm trying to appeal to the majority who don't really like that. Um, so I'm trying to re, uh, remarket myself, you know, rebrand, I think we call it. Uh, or they'll say things like, well, I'm not against it or, or I'm not for it personally. I, I really don't think that you should have one, an abortion, but, but it, it is something that, you know, I, I don't think we should tell a woman what to do with her body, right? You've heard that before. Well, here's where you used to hear that from. You used to hear that from the left side. In fact, that was a famous line from Bill Clinton about you know 25 years ago. Bill Clinton, well, 30 years ago about now, um, 
when running for the office of presidency back when the majority of the country was slightly on the side of being against abortion, right? Uh, it's shifted. And, and so the politics and the presentation of things has shifted, right? As different groups try to find themselves appealing to the majority. We crave the majority. That's the point of all that. I don't want to discuss abortion. I don't want to discuss war, <laughs> whatever. But I want you to sh- to show you how much our uh, how we crave the majority, and and so one of the two things happens: we will either see if we can shift our group uh, to where we are comfortable with the majority. If we cannot do that, if the majority is strong enough that of of an, a desire to for us to be in, we will then leave our group if it's not going to get to where we want and we will find ourselves so you can look around and see examples of people who were avid people in the this party that are now avid in that party because there was something they wanted their group to shift to and didn't and so they're gone uh so um as i say it's not a political podcast it's not a sports podcast but they're just good illustrations of things i want to talk about things that that matter um we we talked about last week the danger physically um, and emotionally and spiritually even of, of of how this has affected impacted people in science and in medicine right it, it, even politics affects us greatly it's it, it 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 controls movements of our lives and our dollars and and all sorts of things so so it does affect us however no application of of this tendency that we have is more important than than what it does when it's applied to us religiously. And I know religion for some is a bad word. It's not really a bad word, um, but it just has to do with our uh, religion. Has to do with our belief in God and and the things that we we believe and practice um, based on what type of God or whether we believe in God or not. So that's our religion. So uh, it's it's okay for us to acknowledge that science still learns things and medicine still, you know, discovers new treatments. And all. Th- there's always room for improvement. We should at least be open to the idea that, hey, this medical practice is outdated or what have you. We're still learning new scientific things. So maybe what we thought of and taught in school earlier was, is wrong. Um. I'm not saying that everything is going to be thrown out. Some things are just what they are, but uh, but we can at least acknowledge that that it does grow. But but when it comes to religion, um, and and observing things from a Judeo-Christian perspective, right? God is not teaching us new things. And what I mean by that is I'm, I'm talking about revealing new pieces of information. Uh, I'm not getting new pieces of information. I may have different ways to apply the pieces of information I have, but I'm not getting new messages. There's a chapter in the Bible often cited for its information that it has about love and, and characteristics of love. But but in that chapter, there's a, a significant chunk of it devoted to um, 
the time when God was going to stop giving new messages. And, and basically what he says, it's in 1 Corinthians 13, is that this is going to stop when there's a complete collection of necessary spiritual information. When, when, that, when that's completed, th- then there's no need to get new messages, right? So, so God says there's coming a point in time where, where these divine direct messages are going to stop. And so we refer to that collection as the Bible. Right? There's, there's no information that's necessary that I don't have in there. A lot of people act like there is. Um, obviously, culture is different. Uh, people say, well, culture is di- the Bible's outdated. Uh, no, it's actually not. Right? It, it is perfect. It's complete. Uh, the, those old sayings actually still can be applied to situations today. I, I don't see any parts of, of, that, of that, that new information, that new revelation that, 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 God, that God gave us that that's not applicable. Right? So... Uh, it's still extremely relevant. However, it's not always popular. In fact, it's very seldom is it popular. Uh, but but these are our identities. M- many people grew up with a religious identity, and and so there's this um, desire of people to try to move the goalposts of 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 sp- this spiritual information to try to remain in. Um, connection with the majority that finds itself shifting away. There was a time in our country, and I don't want to say that there was a, some time in our country when uh, when everything was ideal. We can look at any point in time and find spiritual, awful things happening, right? It's not in 1967 or 69 or whatever that all of a sudden things went to hell in a handbasket. There's always been, from from our almost from our founding and we would go back in time before we were even colonies and go back to when we were in Europe and find that awful things have just pretty much always happened to humans and, and people have done awful things to other people. That's that's human history. Uh, and, and God has always been against it. So virtue is still virtue, regardless of whether culture is different. But, but we find right now that... that Culture is moving away from a desire to listen to this or, or to even acknowledge this information, right? At, at least in the the fifties or sixties, even when we were doing spiritual things or unspiritual things, I should say, things in a spiritual realm, we were doing things that disagreed with that book. We we still at least acknowledged that the book was something that people should pay attention to, even if we were being hypocrites. Um, but now we find that. It's out of touch. Just the information is increasingly out of touch, or people are out of touch with it. It doesn't change. It's a standard. Uh, and, and so we find that religious people try to reinterpret things in this, that, uh, to, to, be in, to, to continue to remain uh, relevant to society. Uh, to fit societal standards. I'll give you some examples of this, right? Um, it, it may be uh, uh, the popular movement in in churches today to reinterpret the opening of the book, uh, the narrative of creation, uh, and, and try to up, apply the, the idea of metaphor to how, to how we interpret this. It's, it's just a metaphor for something. And and the reason there's only one reason for that, and that's because of the popularity 
in society of evolution. Evolution has become the the standard of of interpreting our origins as as humanity. It's not popular as a as a view. It's, uh, creation isn't. Um, and and that's what you know. Religious people have to come to terms with. And so one of the ways that people come to terms with that is to try to alter the text to, to be what it really wasn't. The Bible presents a picture of our origin as literal six days, and that's not popular. And so, so a lot of people want to shift it, but it doesn't shift very easily. Um, you end up damaging the text in order to do so. And in fact, you, you damage a lot of other things. Uh, in, in doing so. That's not the purpose of this podcast. I'm just using an illustration. Or another thing that, that people do for the majority is to try to insert modern social agendas into the Gospels and find Jesus or, or Paul or, or different ones pursuing social agendas. I'm not saying that they were against improving social, you know, what we call social justice or what have you. They were more for justice, or some societal improvements, but um, that wasn't their cause. They weren't into social causes, but a lot of people want to insert social causes into the Bible text, and that it does damage to it. Uh, that's not what it's about. So, and, and this is because we want to be relevant. Our our culture is for this this thing right now, and we want to be relevant. So I want to move my identity, which is religious, if that's my main identity, I want to move that there. And what happens if you resist these changes? What happens if your church resists this? I know that we've been through this here. Well, you're going to find that certain people leave because they, they recognize that this group is not going to shift their identity. We're not happy with that, so we're going to move to where somebody is either going to teach this or is showing that they're willing to move or is already teaching this. Right? They're going to move on. And, and to, to us, it seems like a loss. And it is. It is a loss. I, I, I feel sad about people that do that. Right? But the alternative is worse. The alternative is doing several things. Forcing, first of all, forcing God's message to perform tasks that it was not designed to do. It was not written for social agendas. It was not written for politics. It wasn't written for these things. That's not its point. Uh, it is there to spiritually help people. When I force the Bible to do things, first of all, I, I don't just assault God. That That's the most important thing. But along the way, I also potentially damage people by changing the message into something that was not meant to be. It no longer is helping people the way it was designed to help people. Um, and, and so I'm I'm giving up its its spiritual application for for political application, and I'm I'm damaging I end up damaging people in the process. That is the most important thing, and and there are going to be emotional consequences when I do this. There are going to be spiritual consequences when I do this. That those those are the the more important than than like we talked about some of the physical things that happen along the way when we alter science or or medicine, those are bad enough, and those have emotional, you know, side effects. But these are, uh, there's emotional side effects to to this movement, but it has 
really spiritually damaging things long term uh, for people. Uh, and I, as I said, I noticed effects of this both in, in my role as a, a preacher primarily, but also dealing with uh, dealing with people who are going through grief and 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 seeing um, Bibles used the way or the Bible used the way it's not intended to be by some religious people um, and worsening the 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 things that are happening in in people's lives as a result of other people's bad decisions. Yeah, you know, I see this uh, and and it it grieves me. Um, not just because of how people are suffering, but it grieves me because I know that 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 book has real answers for people, and so I encourage you to resist um, this this movement towards what is popular. You know, in reality, the Bible's never been popular. So if you find yourself on the outside of the majority, um, be encouraged because it's been that way from the very beginning. You're in a you're in a very good group to be in. Uh, you're in good company. Uh, Jesus was not popular um, as much as people think he was. Uh, Paul was not popular. Uh, Peter wasn't popular. And, and Christians throughout time have not been popular. That's not where we find meaning or value spiritually in being popular. That's a that's a motive that's attractive, but I encourage you to give that up. Um, I, I hope you'll share this with people. Uh, like it or share the the links um, and and always look at some of the other links that we have available to you. Uh, there are good resources um, for listening for material. And uh, if you live in our area, uh, I encourage you to come uh, to come visit our congregation. Uh, so have a really good week as, as and uh, as I always encourage you. And uh, and we'll see you next week.